Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Romolini. Later today on the show, we'll be talking to Tiffany Dufu. But before that, because it's our first show together, we want to do some housekeeping. So we want to talk a little bit about how we think the show, some changes we're going to make in the show. We want you, the listeners, to get to know us better. We want to get you more involved by answering your questions or sourcing your fashion and beauty requests or, you know, booking guests that you want to hear from you know, on aging and life and all of it. So we definitely want your suggestions. And that's a big, not a big change. I think you and Tally did that, Kim, right? You sure, asked sure. for suggestions. I've been thinking a lot about, you know, where I am. I'm turning 48, um, God, in like a week, two weeks. And I've really been thinking about this as a community and us kind of all going through this together. So we started a Facebook group. You can find us. Everything is fine. The podcast on Facebook, and we'll be launching a newsletter at some point. It's just really important to us that we build a community and that this is a two-way street. Like how, what do yeah. you think about that? Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we need to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you're interested in. Um, we want to hear what you're not happy with. Um, we just, we feel like it's, it is a two-way street. Yes. And also we wanted to ask for your patience. <laughs> Tally was really technically um, basically a genius compared to us. <laughs> so <laughs> um, our first couple of episodes, they might sound a little bit glitchy. We're just asking that you bear with us as we get on our technical feet. So if it sounds a little off, we're sorry, we're working on it. Yeah, we're really trying, guys. It'll get better. We're really, we're really trying. And we're really just, I mean, I had to figure out how to like basically plug things into my computer. Like it's that, it's that bad. Our producer has to remind us every week to turn off our notifications and every week it takes like 10 minutes to figure out where that is again. So, so sorry about that. 
But also another segment we're going to be adding to all of our episodes is um, we're going to be talking about recommendations, things that we are buying or watching or rubbing on our bodies or that sounded weird, but, <laughs> <laughs> but the things that we love this week. Yeah. Right. The things we love this week. So Kim, yeah. what are you loving this week? Well, my number one love this week are these SK2 sheet masks, which are like gold. They're, they're really expensive and, 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 but they really just make you look prettier. In what way did they make you look prettier and how expensive are they? It's like $125 for 10 of them. Okay. All right. I think I can, I can look it up, but it, it plumps you up for sure. I think it gives you a little bit of a glow. It's got something in it called Pitusa. Oh, which is supposed to be, I think that's the name. I'm looking it up. I'm looking it up right now so that I can tell you the name of this. Oh, here it is, the SK2 facial treatment mask. And it's $139 for 10 of them. So not cheap, but here's the thing. After you use the sheet mask, there's still enough serum left in the little envelope it comes in to get another two uses out of it. So if you do that, it, it, it really kind of, I think, pays off in the end. Well, and sheet masks are expensive. Like if you go in Sephora, they're usually like 10 bucks. It's kind of, it's, I mean, it's such a ripoff, but yes, this, if it's working for you, fine. I am going to recommend a cheap beauty product as a counterpoint. <laughs> I went to my dermatologist last week or a couple of weeks ago, and she was like, we need to get rid of all that sebum. <laughs> <laughs> my nose. So anyway, she told me to use like, basically she recommended like a Stridex pad to get rid of like my, I have blackheads still I'm 48 years old and I have blackheads like under wrinkles. It's yeah. gross. But she was like, then your face is going to dry out. So there's an amazing cream called first aid beauty cream. And it's actually like super moisturizing. It's like a whipped beauty cream. And I think it's like $26. So that is, that is my wreck of the week beauty wise. In terms of my mental health, if anyone is not following Beth Stern, Howard Stern's wife on Instagram, you are really missing out because I will tell you that her foster cats are getting me through the <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> they're all, they're all like a little janky and like, they all have like a sad story and like, you get to have this like voyage with these cats. Like it's a blind cat named Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Will he ever be adopted? And then he is. <laughs> so yeah. How about you? Um, nothing so exciting. I mean, I do, I, I have been wearing my, I have these, um, fleece lined Ugg sneakers that I bought last winter and they have a little bit of a platform. They're super, super warm. And I've been wearing them a lot. They're called the Bevin. We'll put it in the show notes. And right now they are actually on sale for cheaper than I paid for them at Zappos. And um, I just think they're cute. I feel like they're, I, I like them because they're like Converse Hall Stars, but without any of the branding. And, and they're just so damn warm. And so those are getting me through. And then the other thing that's getting me through is lavender, the scent of lavender. I find very calming and peaceful. And I really like Bigelow Pharmacy's lavender essential oil. 
I have been lighting a lot of incense because I am a hippie at heart <laughs> and I have really been liking Japanese incense sticks. You can get them from commune and they burn a lot better than like the, you know, the stuff that you get in the health food store. That's like, it's just like a wad of like smoky fume on a stick. These yeah. are like, it's entirely an incense. So there's no wooden stick left over at the end. And huh. I think they they burn a little cleaner and they're very peaceful. And, you know, I continue to try and fail at meditating every fucking week, but well, they say uh, that just the trying is very helpful. That's what they say. And yet <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm the same way, but speaking of healthy people, today's guest <laughs> is Tiffany Dufu is an inspiration. She is one of the people who has gotten me, helped get me through my career in sort of the darkest moments. She's just so inspiring and so smart and really just does life in a way that I think is is meaningful and purposeful and intentional. And I hope that listeners get a lot out of this episode because I, I certainly got a lot out of talking to her. Yeah, me too. Hi, and welcome back to Everything is Fine. Today on the show, we have Tiffany Dufu. Tiffany is founder and CEO of The Crew, a peer-to-peer -peer coaching community that matches circles of women to collaborate to meet their personal and professional goals. She's also the author of the best-selling book, Drop the Ball, Achieving More by Doing Less, a book Gloria Steinem called Important, Pathbreaking, Intimate, and Brave. Tiffany is also named one of Entrepreneur's 100 Powerful Women, included in Fast Company's League of Extraordinary Women. She's held lots of important jobs and is also one of my favorite people on the planet. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you. The feeling <laughs> is mutual. I'm really, we're really glad to have you here today. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you here today is first off because of the sort of colossal mess of work and women right now um, <laughs> with the pandemic. But you know, I've met a lot of women's career gurus, um, but I've never met one as generous, compassionate, and effective as you. You know, someone with your clarity who can really motivate other women to sort out what they want and go after it. How are you staying motivated right now is my first question. <laughs> well, my life's work is advancing women and girls. That's pretty much why I'm on the planet. So... Right now, I'm staying motivated through that life's work and that purpose. I had a mom when I was growing up who every day told me, as if it was the first time that she was telling me uh, each time, Tiffany, you're so smart, you're so loved, you're so beautiful, uh, as if she was just discovering it. And mm. um, later, uh, she really struggled, uh, and I couldn't save her, but I certainly get up every single day uh, hoping that whatever I say or do can just be a whisper in a woman's ear that you're so smart, you're so loved, you're so beautiful. And, and if I do that uh, in any given day, it's quite motivating to me. So uh, I, I think being here for something larger than yourself uh, is mm -hmm. particularly important right now. Can I ask you a question, Tiffany? Um, was there a moment that you realized this was your life's work or was it a gradual thing? I think in some ways it was gradual. Uh, I, you know, purpose, 
gets all of this, you know, rap for being some mystical thing. I actually don't know anybody who was walking down the street and the skies opened up and some voice of God told them they were here to save the orca whales. I think <clears throat> it's it's simply a decision inspired by experience. And if I had enough time with every woman, I would do some story mining and we could come up with stories that ladder up experiences that ladder up to a particular purpose. I just shared, you know, a core experience that I've had that really helps to inform my purpose. I'm also the oldest of four girls, um, the youngest mm. of which is two decades younger than me. So I've been through my fair share of divorces, coming out, <laughs> graduations, <laughs> you know, um, and yeah. really coaching them through those experiences. So, um, but I would definitely say that my relationship with my mom has been very pivotal in me recognizing that at the end of the day, each one of us is the most powerful change agent in our own journeys and that the difference often between us being able to realize our potential and not is believing in ourselves and really understanding our value and our worth. And so I'm definitely an evangelist for that. So do you think that part of the crisis, our professional crisis is a crisis of confidence? I think it's a crisis of opportunity. Okay. I think it's a crisis of social expectations uh, that have caused the reality of, you know, breadwinning being something that our society really values. You know, working outside of the home is something that you're compensated for, whereas working inside of the home, you know, caregiving and domestic labor is just not something that's as valued. And I think what happened was that we were able to put a Band-Aid on the problem with women working outside the homes when they physically left the home. Because right. uh, obviously they either had to have had childcare or someone else, you know, managing all of these responsibilities. As soon as home and work became combined under one roof, uh, the reality of women being responsible for so much became abundantly clear. And once the crisis prevented us from being able to outsource a lot of what we have been doing, uh, it just became clear that the dynamic of who's caregiving and who's fulfilling the domestic labor is clearly uh, on the shoulders of women disproportionately. And that is an enormous amount of pressure that has caused in some families for women to be leaving the workforce in droves. Yeah. I mean, 5 million, well, 5 million women are, have lost jobs in during COVID. Right. And, and some, and, and a lot of women are leaving on their own accord. You know, what did, what do we say to these women? How do we, how do we sort of help them sort of get back get back and get motivated and, and get back to wanting to be able to do that? Or how do we sort of, I mean, I guess there's larger problems of, you know, structural and systemic problems that, that we need to address first. But I'm talking about just that feeling of just like, oh my God, this feels hopeless. I don't know where to go next, you know? Yeah, I think there are tears to managing the hopelessness and the yeah. and the feelings. Um, at the very fundamental level, if you are like on most days on the bathroom floor crying, you <laughs> you should have some people in your life on speed dial. Uh, you don't have to explain everything that's happening, but just having someone that you can say, "I am on my bathroom floor crying right now. I don't know exactly why, except that I'm feeling really overwhelmed and I really need help." Um, 
like getting the affirmation and the support that you need is first and foremost. I am at another tier where I've basically developed a series of hacks uh, to get me through each day. Um, they include a series of index cards in which I've written words that people have said to me. Um, for example, Jennifer, your words in the opening, I started jotting down um, and, and they're going to be on one of my index cards. Uh, a member yesterday during one of our Zooms uh, for the crew uh, put in the Zoom chat, I feel like I'm sitting through a masterclass in how to be the CEO of the future. <laughs> uh, and I wrote that down. Um, at the top of COVID, when I needed to raise another round of capital for my company, I asked our lead investor, Karen, do you think we can pull this off? Like, I need to know right now before I try to raise this money in the middle of a crisis. Do you think we can pull it off? And she said to me, Tiffany, if there is a founder who can raise right now, it's you. You're top 1%. <laughs> she probably got that out of some pep talk book for investors on, <laughs> on their founders. Right. But I wrote that down. So I'm constantly like referring to these index cards and reminding myself of my own power through the words that other people have spoken to me. I've got melatonin gummies on my desk. I've got <laughs> lavender oil on my desk. I've developed a series of <laughs> communications with my family through what I have on my feet. So I've got a pair of Ugg slippers on right now that I wear during the day. Uh, and when I have these on, I am founder and CEO of the crew everybody. I love you all. But when you see me with the slippers on, just know that my highest priority is that. When I'm wife and mom, I have another set of slippers that I put on that you all, it's free for all. Whatever you need, I'm completely here for you when I have on those slippers. I've got these other pink, like delicious woke slippers that when I have on, I'm communicating, it's me time. So <laughs> it's not the crew. It's not y'all. When I have on these woke pink slippers, it's, it's, it's my time. So just know that there are all kinds of strategies that we can put in place. I had to rearrange a document that I call my MEL. It's a management Excel list that includes basically everything that's required for my home to function smoothly. And there's a column for each person. And when this crisis hit, we decided that there needed to be more things in the last column, which is what we call the no one column. This is the column where you put all of the things that you've just mutually agreed are not going to happen, including washing the car. Uh, in our case right now, it's folding the laundry. We just literally take like the regal laundry from the hamper and that's going to have to do. And that's prevented us from kind of feeling resentful for one another and making sure that things are getting done. I've had to accelerate the development of my kids in terms of their domestic responsibility. I have an 11-year-old daughter who is responsible for dinner. Um, I don't cook dinner during the week anymore. And she was like, you want me to cook dinner for the whole family? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes. Like not just your quesadilla for yourself. Yes. Um, so wow. there's lots of things that, you know, I've put in place in the immediate that I encourage us to to really do and then there's the broader, higher level, you know, structural in terms of your own well-being that I think you've got to prioritize that involves getting clear about what really matters most to you and what your highest and best use is in achieving that so that you can create a new job description for yourself um, that works for you and you can 
eliminate the guilt and really get clear. So I can talk more about that as well. But I think that ultimately creating a new framework and a new set of expectations for yourself is really the more sustainable solution to all of this. I love so much of what you just said. And um, aside from the fact that you make me feel really not like a grown up for having almost none of those systems in place, um, I love what you said about writing down what other people have said about you. It reminds me of gratitude exercises when you write down three things that went well for you that day and it, it makes you happier. They've done studies. Um, and it just seems so wise to actually listen to other voices and really internalize that. Yes, absolutely. Well, someone else, I'm sure it's in a book that many of us have read that I can't think of the name of, you know, said that the advice that we give and the words that we speak to other people are often so much more fulfilling, affirming than the voice that we tell ourselves. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and it's so true. And so I've decided, you know what, since that's true, I'm just going to try to remember and replace the voice that's in my head with the voice of other people. Well, also the negativity bias, right? So I think that we have a negativity bias. It's like that thing of like, you know, you can hear one good thing and, and 10 good, I mean, you can hear one bad thing and 10 good things and you only hear the one bad thing. So really forcing yourself and making it a practice of hearing the good thing, of, of hearing your value. I think that, that that's such a beautiful and intentional way to be. Um, because it's so easy to sort of start eating yourself, you know, lose all your self-compassion and focus on the things you don't like about yourself, um, especially in a time when you're kind of isolated, at least physically, and not getting that feedback, even that sort of feedback in the ether, a hug, you know, whatever it is, that sort of physical feedback. I think it's so important what you said, and I had not thought of that but to make it such an intentional thing to hear what's good. Absolutely. It's also why it is helpful to have a separate social category of people who you're checking in with on your own ambition and your plans for yourself and how you're going to get through this. Um, I call it a crew. Um, you might have, you know, yeah. another group of people, but I think it's, it's fascinating that we all have goals, whether it's just getting through this crisis each day, whether it's getting back into the workforce, whether it's figuring out how I'm gonna stay into the workforce. We all have our own human potential that we want to realize. There's a lot of research that shows that the most powerful way to advance our goals and our human potential is through accountability to other people. Yet most of us don't have an accountability circle um, or partner for our lives overall in general. Uh, and that's why I founded this company called The Crew and why we're matching circles of women who are checking in with one another once a month on exactly all of this. You know, mm -hmm. Tiffany, did you make your affirmation cards like you said you were going to? <laughs> did you restock your melatonin vitamins? Did you work on your resume? Did you reach out to the people that you wanted to on LinkedIn in order to expand your network? What do you need from us? in order to do this. I think for most people in our lives, the other social categories we're giving a lot to, whether it's our teams, our boss, our family, our friends, I think all of us need a group of people who are really there for us receiving and to really hold us accountable to what we want to do to move our lives forward. 
Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the crew and how it works. How, like, how does, how, tell us how the crew works. I mean, I, I love the whole concept of the crew. I remember talking to you about it, like even before it existed. And I've, I've always loved this idea. Well, it's pretty straightforward. You apply to become a member. You give us a bit of information about you. And then we use that information. Uh, we Technology helps to drive our matching process, but there's an enormous amount of human intervention as well to match you with a group of women, seven others, so mm -hmm. it's eight of you, who become a crew. Um, the first kind of task after we introduce you all to one another and you've established some norms for yourself is for each of you to decide what your intentions are. Uh, what, what do you want to realize? That's what we call goals in the crew. And they can be personal or professional. I want to get a promotion. I want to get back into the workforce. I want to get more sleep. I want to launch a new business. Uh, it's up to you. Um, but you upload those intentions into our digital tracking tool along with actions against them. And you meet with your crew once a month. Uh, and we use an inquiry-based coaching model where each of you go around and give an update. You receive coaching from your crew. Uh, you commit to an action for the next month. And through you know tiny acts of intentionality, you move yourself forward. And it, it's because right now many of us are mired in the day-to-day -day of, okay, I'm supposed to go to this meeting next. I'm supposed to share my screen next. It's actually really refreshing to meet with a group of people who aren't in the day-to-day -day with you, but every four weeks you get reminded that you're moving forward. And now a word from our sponsors. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin, and I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. 
I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry leading sustainability standards. You know, I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess is the best way to do it. Say it, do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25 percent off. And we're back. I'm curious. I'm not sure what my question is, which is never a good sign, but I'm curious about competition and the role of competition in getting ahead. I've always felt like women were a lot less comfortable with it than men were. And the competition isn't necessarily a bad thing at all. I love competition. I'm a very competitive person. Um, most people would not assume that about me, <laughs> but I'm competitive in the sense that I want to win. Uh, I'm ambitious. I love uh, Anna Feld's book, Necessary Dreams. She defines ambition as both a desire to achieve mastery of your craft combined with the desire to receive public recognition for it. So I want to be really good at something and I also want credit. I want my gold star for being good at something. And that involves, you know, me feeling like I need to be the best, that I need to be executing my highest and best purpose in doing that. And I think that competition is a good thing because it keeps me on my toes. I use it as a form mm -hmm. of accountability. So, uh, and I think there's a level of flattery and respect uh, that can come out of it as well. Certainly, I don't want to reinvent a wheel. So when I see a competitor doing something and it's working for them, I'm like, you know what? Let me borrow that. <laughs> and uh -huh. uh, when I see other people doing it to me, I think, oh, okay, I better stay on top of it. And wow, I must be doing something really well that they just stole my shit. That's such a positive way to think about competition because you're talking about it not as a compare and despair situation. Again, it's you're taking it out of the negativity bias and you're using it as a motivating force. And also it's still staying focused on your personal goal. I think sometimes what happens with competition is first off, like I said, compare and despair, but also it takes you away from yourself because you're looking at somebody else and you're being like, oh, I want to do that instead of staying like, you know, eyes on the prize for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to what you were saying is getting very clear about what you want to realize. And if you're unwavering in that, then the path becomes a little easier to, to walk down. And the other thing I think you said that was really interesting that people don't think about is, and you didn't say this directly, but I'm making this connection, is that transformation takes time that it is incremental and it takes time and it's not, it's, you're not going to wait. You might feel uncomfortable now. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and, you know, poof, I've changed just because you decided to, that it's a process. Right. And I think we lose patience. It's like when one door opens, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, but there's like a hallway in between, you know, <laughs> like, 
And we have to walk down that hallway. And I think that's what you're talking about right now in some ways is like, how do I get from A to B? And that is, that is profound to walk down that path. And it's often really painful, I find. It can be. It also goes back to your value and really understanding your worthiness such that you know, when you're looking at the competition, when you're looking at some, sometimes that, what did you call it? Despair? <laughs> A compare and despair. <laughs> it's an AA expression, I believe. Oh, is it? <laughs> I think that happens when you're not, you don't have assuredness about your value. And so when you see the competition, you mistake it for they're more valuable, they're smarter, they're more loved, they're more worthy, they're better uh, when in fact each of us has our own contribution that we're going to make to the world that's unique to us that if we do not exercise it the world is going to be missing out and so I have that perspective because I don't confuse someone else doing something better than me um, or you know as an indictment on the contribution that I can make to the world. I mean, right, because this so gets into value and feelings of unworthiness. And if you don't have that foundational sense of value and sense of self, it's hard to put any of this into place. But I guess the largest question is for somebody who's feeling lost, and I think this happens particularly in midlife, you've done maybe one thing and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that thing anymore. You know, this is about reinvention and finding a new purpose. How do you think about that? I think for someone who is lost in that way, the first thing I always think of doing is reaching out to other people. I mean, that's always my, my first solution to, to yeah. anything uh, is I'm stuck. Okay, let me reach out. Uh, a lot of people have a problem. And the first question they ask themselves is, how am I going to solve this problem? I think the more prescient question for us is who is going to help me solve this problem. In that case of being lost, the first group of people I would reach out to are people who have known me the most in different contexts. So I would do an exercise as soon as possible where I spoke to family members, coworkers, friends, people who have known you in different parts of your life and ask them one thing, which is to share with you a time when they experienced you at your best. Hmm. What's going to emerge from that are a bunch of stories. And if you can record those stories in some way, transcribe them, it is a powerful exercise to put all of those pieces of paper on your bed, on the floor, on the table, and to read them and to start circling the words and phrases that are common. There's a common experience people have had with you since you were in kindergarten, um, you know, potentially as, as young as when you were a toddler that really can ladder up to the contribution that you've already made in the world that you can take to the next level. That's beautiful. I love that. I want to ask a question about asking for help, though, because I find that a lot of women really, people really struggle with asking for help. Why is that so challenging for so many of us? Well, it requires practice with two muscles that we're not used to flexing. Um, one is vulnerability. In order to mm -hmm. ask for help, you, you have to kind of readily admit that you don't know the answers, that you might have made a mistake, that 
you are not fully sufficient for the task at hand. And that's something that women in particular are not socially conditioned to be comfortable doing. Um, We don't have a lot of practice failing publicly, so we are not reminded, we don't have a lot of practice understanding that you can do that and the world doesn't fall apart. So it's the vulnerability aspect to it. And I also think there is a responsibility um, aspect to it, which is that we feel that we're imposing on people when we ask Mm -hmm. for help. And we imagine because of all the things on our plate, all the things on someone else's plate, And before we can even get to asking, we kind of talk ourselves out of it by assuming that, well, if they've got on their plate what I've got on my plate, then they can't say yes to anything else. And so it would be an imposition of me to ask them for that. And therefore, I don't want to. Uh, the, The two things that I don't think we realize is one, it feels really amazing to help people. Um, I know that because I get up every morning to help people and it's juice for the soul. So we're, we're actually depriving someone. Um, and sometimes you see someone who's in need, but you don't know how to help them. When someone says, can you help me? And this is how I need help. It's incredible because you can intervene and not have to figure it out. And the vulnerability part is just, it's like yoga. Like you're flex, you, you can only get flexible by doing it time and time again. But I actually think that vulnerability right now is our superpower. Uh, and the more of us that can do it, the more we'll open the floodgates to giving permission for other people to do it as well. I mean, what is kind of hard to say is that not asking for help fundamentally is about the ego <laughs> and the ego, you know, not not wanting to show that, we are imperfect, um, but we are. And that's the beautiful thing about each of us. I've been thinking about, you know, the changes we've seen since last spring, since George Floyd. How much of the change that we've seen do you think is, is really solid and how much of it is just fleeting? I think that what happened over the summer and in the ensuing months created a bit of a sea change. I do think that even though for some companies, for example, it might be window dressing, uh, I, I think even that level of accountability to the public and to the consumer in terms of who you have on your team, what messages you're putting out into the world, what nonprofit organizations and movements and public policies you support, I think is important. And I think that is gonna stick. Um, whether or not the real systematic structural <laughs> um, changes are going to happen, I think just like with our own personal lives is, is, is something that's going to be incremental. Um, but I'm very hopeful about the fact that even with the 24-hour news cycle, it's still there. I, I'm a part of One Medical. I had a doctor's appointment yesterday and I was in the lobby and had to take a meeting after my doctor's appointment. And so I needed access to the Wi-Fi. And I went, I, I'm like, where's the Wi-Fi password? And she says, oh, it's over there on the sign. And it's like One Medical, the Wi-Fi network. And then the password was Black Voices Matter. Mm. And I thought, yeah, I think there's something that's sticking. One of the things you point out in your book is that 
we know that the more diverse in companies, the more diverse the, uh, the decision makers are, that, that we have more innovation if we have more diversity. And I think you can apply that to your own life right? If your friends all look like you are all doing the same thing as you are, you know, all came from the same place that you did. You're, you're not, you're not getting the kind of feedback you might need to move on with your life or the, you know, you're not opening up and expanding what you could possibly do. But this always, this sort of brings me back to something I think about, which is, like, is there anything more annoying than a white woman looking for a black friend? Like, how do you how do you do that? It 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 it, it seems like a real challenge. I think that the person doesn't have to be your friend. <laughs> um, uh <-huh. laughs> they did, I don't think they have to be your friend. She may not want to be your friend. Um, right. But but I do think that that's part of the power of a platform like The Crew, which is you don't have to pretend to be friends. You don't have to find the person. Uh, we're right. a majority woman of color community in part because the algorithm prioritizes racial and ethnic diversity and in curating the crews. But certainly you all working together on a regular basis to move your lives forward is a very powerful experience in understanding someone's perspective and what they're dealing with in their lives in a new way. So baby steps. Uh. Like res respecting one another's voices and understanding that there's something to be learned from them. That's it. And also to be really clear about the fact that all of us bring multiple aspects to our identity. I am a woman. I have experienced sexism. And I know what that feels like. I am a black person. I have experienced racism. I know what that feels like. I am also a heterosexual person who's been married for 23 years to a man. Uh, I know nothing about what it's like to, you know, have a work event and not be sure whether or not you could bring your partner. And I have certainly mm -hmm. benefited from being able to get married very early and the equity that we've built, the home that we've bought. Um, I have economic privilege as a result of being straight. I'm a woman who wears a size two and have pretty much worn a size two my entire life. I have enormous body privilege. I have fertility privilege. I gave conceived two kids for free in, let's be honest, 10 minutes. And there are a lot of people who are spending enormous amounts of money and, you know, psychological trauma they're experiencing over that issue. I have all of my limbs. I'm fully bodied, fully abled. There are so many aspects of my identity in which I need to be mindful about how my power and privilege might tread on someone else's humanity. And mm -hmm. it's really accessing those points that has allowed me to have the empathy for the white woman who wants to be my friend um, when <laughs> I have a difficult time just figuring out which pronouns to use. And I'm always a bit embarrassed when I don't know which one to use. So right. we're all at a place in our evolution where we all have something to learn in order for us to contribute to this big thing called, you know, life and society and inhumanity. And I, I think the humility and the empathy uh, will go a long way to help all of us. There's one question I wanted to ask, because we haven't talked at all about failure. Um, and you've said you feel like women should lean into their failures. What are some of the lessons you've learned from yours? Well, I have to really give credit to my dad, 
who uh, pushed me when I was young to run for student government, not because of the civic nature of it, but because he had this kind of old Greek model that you should stand and deliver. And, and he imagined me giving lots of speeches, um, which I also should credit him for, um, because I do a lot of public speaking. And one of the things that I had an opportunity to learn very young, and remember, you know, you're in the sixth grade, seventh grade, you make all of these posters and signs, you ask people to vote for you, you make a case, and then you lose an election by the vote of your peers, and you have to show up to school the next day. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's the ultimate in, you know, public failure. But that happened enough times that I learned that the world doesn't fall apart. You can pick yourself back up. I learned that people have respect for others who put their you know, hat in the ring, you would get, oh my gosh, I voted for you, or I'm so sorry that you lost the election. But people know who you are, and they know what mm -hmm. you stand for. And the powers that be, the administration, the, you know, the teachers, you know, the principal, they know who you are, they know who you stand for, and they give you access to opportunities. So, you know, right. I learned that you can fail, um, but that it really can present new opportunities. And also that if you don't have enough of it, you quite frankly don't have enough street cred. Um, mm -hmm. that, that failure can really be your street cred for understanding how to do it better the next time around. So it's still very difficult. I do not like failure. I like to win and, <laughs> and I like for things to work out. But I value and appreciate my failures so much because... Uh, you don't have to tell me twice, um, but once I once I learn the lesson once, it helps me moving forward. It's also a gathering of information, right? So failure also, I think, is a gathering of information, right? So what did that tell me? What maybe that's not what I want. It's an opportunity to re-examine. And if after a failure, you still want that thing, then it's it for me, it can be very motivating. like, oh, okay. I still want this thing. I need to learn more about this. Or why did that go wrong? There's there's a lot in failure that's really useful, I think. Yes, and if we want to keep it real and go back to community, one of the mm -hmm. one of the the data uh, points that you collect in failure is who is really with you. Yeah, and mm -hmm. who is not, <laughs> because it is in your triumphs that everyone loves Tiffany Dufu. It is, it is in the midst of your failure that all of a sudden you can see who is, who is still there, who is with you. Oh, totally. You're such a pariah sometimes as you, especially in like, if it was like, if you were connected to something that, that made people want to be connected to you, you know, that had nothing to do with you. That was like an external idea of you and you fail. I mean, this is certainly my experience. Like you suddenly shake all of these people that you were that for me anyway, I was wary of anyway, you know, <laughs> but you, that, that's, that is really, that is really a, a true joy of failure is you're like, Oh, good. <laughs> like, I didn't need that person anyway. Tiffany, where can people find you? It's cause they're going to want to find you after this. Yes, in multiple places. My email is tiffany at thecrew.com. That is my real email address um, that, that people can reach me at. Um, they certainly, uh, and I hope that people are interested in The Crew and should go to thecrew.com. And crew is spelled C-R-U, so thecrew.com. And I'm at T Dufu on just about every social media outlet. 
Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Kim France. I'm Jennifer Romolini. Our producer is the fabulous Natalie Rivera. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and review it on all the platforms. You can follow the show's Instagram at EIF Podcast. Email us at everythingisfindthepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find me on my blog, girlsofacertainage.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.